The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Nerds, discover your geeky haven with Twink.com. We've been delivering you the best products and all things pop culture for more than 20 years. Enjoy a wide selection of officially licensed merch from your favorite fandoms. We carry top brands from Disney, Funko, Marvel, and DC, Star Wars, Harry Potter, and much, much more. We also offer an array of exclusives that you won't find anywhere else. With all these collectible goods, you're definitely going to need a bigger boat. Dive in with code WINGEEKS15 to save 15% off your first order at toy.com. Welcome to another episode of Wookiee Radio. It is the Smugglers 3, Ken, Derek, and myself, Mike. How are you guys doing? Not bad. Yeah, d- thank you. We've, we were talking about the um, weather last week, and that hurricane that came through you that we were supposed to swing back out the Atlantic came straight up and hit me. Hey. <laughs> How did that, 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 that was stronger than I thought because it actually hit Ohio. And then, of course, what it pulls winter right behind it. So where it was 70 degrees and beautiful last week, a little bit of rain here and oh, there, yeah. and then we get a hurricane, now it's in the upper 30s. We just had our first snow yesterday. I, I'm just going to say. We've had flurries for the last week. Sorry, but not sorry. It's uh, currently 66 degrees here in central Florida. So you probably think it's cold. Uh, actually, no, it's quite comfortable as long as there's not a breeze going. <laughs> um, check out the homepage, wookieradio.net. Uh, right hand size is our affiliates where like Biddy Boomers use code WinGeeks15 or no, that's Weeby Geeks, all one word for 15% off your purchase. Or go to Toink, as you heard in the pre roll or pre intro, uh, toink.com for 15% off your purchase. And they offer free shipping when you use code WinGeeks15. And uh, stay tuned to Instagram if you haven't seen already to find out who won the Life Day giveaway that we have with, going with, with Toink. It was me. No. Wait, wait, when is it? Are you ending it on the 17th? No, it ended on the 18th. Ah, okay. Yeah, the day after. I say, because I saw you when you announced it. I'm like, wait a minute, Life Day is not for another couple days. No, usually with Toink, I try and run four-day contest. Tried to do uh-huh. it over the weekend, but I didn't get the prizes till, till late, which is fine because... Summer is totally swamped. Her and the gang at Toink are just totally swamped right now, especially with all the holiday stuff. Yeah. Um, but you know, it was a cool giveaway. Uh, it was a Chewbacca robe and a Chewbacca geeky tiki. Perfect items for, for Life Day. It's the ceramic geeky tiki. The robe fits nice, I must say. <laughs> 
You didn't win, Derek. That's what they keep telling me at the lottery office, too, but I don't buy it. <laughs> um, That's why you didn't win. <laughs> so, like I said, check out, go back and check out Instagram at Wookiee Radio to see who won. Um, or or even at Weeby Geeks or at Mighty Marvel Geeks, because it's one prize that's being spread across all three podcasts. Just decided to do all three podcasts are hosting the one contest, one prize. Let's go around just to make it easy. So, um, but other than that, we are being joined this week by Andrew and Marisha from the Science Fictionary podcast. Yeah, okay. that's it. That's thanks, thanks for having us. And it's uh, you know, we're we're the Science Fictionary and Coruscant Radio Underground. So um, we've had both those podcasts out there for a while. So. Yeah, depending on if we're in a Star Wars or in everything else kind of mood. <laughs> okay. Um, before we get going. <laughs> Just for you, Dark. And Chewy laughs at you. Um, we're going to do a little icebreaker. And it's We call it Smuggler's Feud. It's based on the card game Star Wars Family Feud, which I have right here. Um, basically how it's played. Unlike Family Feud, where one, size, one side goes until they get three strikes, we go back and forth. Uh, you either get a right answer or a wrong answer. From there, whichever, whoever... See, I had this right a couple weeks ago. It was flawless. I don't know why you haven't. You know, just I still haven't written it down. I know. I need to. Yeah, he's been playing this game for about three or four years with people now, and he still can't remember how he does it. <laughs> and we're not going to help him because we really don't want to play it. <laughs> That's right. For first show with three strikes loses unless both shows in the same round get their third strike. Then whoever scored the highest answer wins the tiebreak. Or whoever offers their firstborn child. Oh, I heard that totally wrong. I heard first burned, not firstborn. No, I accidentally said first. I accidentally said first (laughs) burned. I was hoping nobody noticed. You can't have my firstborn child. child. No, he's helpful. No disintegrations this time. (laughs) Um, So I have three cards. A child who does dishes is worth like as much gold as you can give him. Absolutely, it's true. I have three cards in front of me. I let you let Andrew and Marisha. I keep butchering it, don't I? It's fine. Marisha. Marisha. Okay. Yes. Marisha and Andrew pick the card we're going to use for the game tonight. So one, two, or three. Give you a hint. It doesn't really matter. (laughs) Uh, Two. (laughs) Two. Is that from the left or from the right? Never mind. (laughs) Okay. So that's another joke. Another joke that he's used about 75 times on this <laughs> goal with the game or easiest way to play the game. Yes, it is easy for me to say not is don't think like a Star Wars fan. Think like think like people on the streets and Star Wars family. Few don't think like a Star Wars fan. And with this one, it doesn't matter what with this question it doesn't matter what movie franchise or what era it is, because it really doesn't matter. Um, oh boy. Yep. So six answers on the board. Name a color besides blue that the Senate guard would look good in. Uh, red. Number one answer. I figured that. How many answers are there? Now five. Six answers total. And we could switch. It doesn't matter. We'll just work our way around it. Go with um, green. Just pick a color. Number four. Black. Number three. Let's go with uh Somehow he drew the card with the least Star Wars y answer in the world on it. I mean <laughs> I know, right? Uh let's go with white. Number five. Who now? Me? Me again? Yep. Uh, go with yellow. I'll accept that answer. 
Number six, gold. How many are left? One's Five. left. Number two. I don't know. All mm. the primary colors and general mixes other than orange are used. Oh, well, we can go with orange. Let's go orange. Mm. Wow. That's what I say. We should have said Dago orange. Yeah. One answer mm. left. Purple? Number two. Really? And that sweeps the yeah, card. I was staying away from brown because I figured that's not what anybody's going to choose. <laughs> Only I the Jedi Although will I could see them in purple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The only one I don't see is the gold. You know, I don't I don't I buy that. Mm, I don't think yeah. that would be a good option. Well, I think the, um, the uh, Jedi guards uh, were like gold and white, if I remember right, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah. The, the temple guards. But, you know, we're talking the Senate guards, which red yeah. makes sense because that's what they turn into. Right. Um, right. And we see them go from blue to red in uh, Revenge of the Sith, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Black makes sense because we've seen the, the shadow royal guard figures and look from the old comics and whatnot. So to see see the plume and the open face mm-hmm. would look fine. Green green would be interesting. White would be interesting. And I think I think purple could be interesting. It's got to be a dark purple. Yeah, I would yeah. think like yeah, al- yeah. like almost like is it blue or is it purple? I don't I don't envision like Mardi Gras purple being particularly cute. <laughs> no, if it was, if it was no. something like a like um nice royal purple or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or sort of like um. I don't want to say Lakers purple, but maybe a little darker. Um, Minnesota Vikings esque purple, mm-hmm. the the darker, richer purple mm-hmm. would be would be ideal. Yeah, I think so. I could buy so, that. So tell us a little bit about the science fictionary podcast okay so the science fictionary is something we started uh i guess we started with covid we had been planning it for about a year and we kicked it off in february of 2020 just before everything started shutting down and uh it was something that spawned out of our star wars podcast uh, of course on radio underground had been around for about two years at that point and we always opened that show with more or less a what are you watching segment they kept getting longer and longer and longer every week and it was taking up about half of the Star Wars podcast. <laughs> and so my co-host, I was the one that wanted to do a Star Wars podcast. I kind of dragged everybody else with me. And um, from there, we just, everybody else was more interested in doing more of a science fiction fantasy podcast. And uh, that's where the, the science fiction area was born, was out of that, out of that desire to just explore a bigger range of, of topics. Yeah, we, uh, for our other co-host is much younger. He's, you know, in his early 20s. So a lot of times we'll have a, you know, we made David watch this this week. Uh, so, you know, like, okay, like, okay, you have to watch Star Trek. It's a, it's a rule. You're a nerd. You have to watch Star Trek. So we've done a lot of those kinds of things. Um, a lot of like, you know, evergreen things, uh, you know, Mount Rushmore of uh, action adventure or, you know, pillars of sci-fi, pillars of fantasy, just kind of different. Uh, spend a lot of times talking about, a lot of time talking about, you know, just sort of different things in the history of some of our favorite genres. So those have been some of our favorite things to do okay. yeah we're not we do trek on here much but i have discovered that um it's for the background pluto tv and uh, paramount plus both have a live star trek channel it just runs 24 7 yeah usually it's oh really uh, i didn't know the, that paramount plus usually it's the modern shows but on pluto tv it's either original series or next generation yeah right 
Well, and with, it's a little more well, up my alley. With, with Paramount Plus, too, the, the newer shows are on demand as well. Yeah. Well, all the shows are on demand on Paramount Plus. Right. But the movies are now on HBO Max. Yeah. Well, no, the first six. Is it just the first six? I believe oh, no. So. Next Gen's on there. The Next Gen films are on there, too. So the first ten? I think so. I think it goes up through uh, the Abrams, right before the Abrams stuff. Okay. Yeah, we watched all the Star Trek movies. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, that's, that that's been fun. We started off, David, my our other co host now is actually the son of my original co-host. Okay. And, uh, and that was Daniel. Daniel did probably two and a half years with us, uh, and then he just got busy with other things and wasn't able to keep doing it. Uh, but fortunately, David was able to step right in and take his place. And as I've said, he had never seen Star Trek. He had never seen Firefly. He had X-Files. Never, X-Files. There were all these mm. things that he'd never seen that we've been able to introduce him to through the through the show. Well, that's cool. That's very cool. Some things that, you know, my kids are old enough to watch. <laughs> yeah. Well, please tell me you made him sit through the original full-length version of Star Trek The Motion Picture. We did. Oh, 100%. Mm-hmm. All the original Star Actually, Trek Actually, the first Star Trek movie he ever saw, they re-released that. And uh, they had they had that in the theater where they're at. And he was able to go see Star Trek The Motion Picture on the big screen. Oh, wow. That was his introduction that to would be Star cool. Trek. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, really. We we enjoy those. Uh, what what is it? The, the, those kind of special things that they do sometimes. Yeah, fandom events. Yeah, yes, fandom yeah. events. That's what it is. Yeah, I missed out on the uh, on the Wrath of Khan one that they did. Mm-hmm. Mm. That also so. like two months ago, I messed up. I missed out on. Um, they did the anniversary of uh, Transformers the movie that they had in theaters yeah. this past yeah. summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that's always fun. We don't have a theater here, so it's about two hours to the nearest theater. So. Oh wow. Yeah. Well, that's, I don't have one near me either. Yeah, joys of a small town. I've been there and lived that. That's why I moved back into the city. Yeah, we had a theater up in, in COVID, shut it down, and it, it's regal, and so they're having so much trouble anyway. Yeah. They just never reopened ours. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So let I'm sure y'all have talked about it, um, but we have not. So for your get y'all's input again, uh, we're going to talk. Uh, start off talking a little Andor season season one episode ten. Um, favorite moments of the shows, guys. I would like before we start. I would like to point out something. I actually watched eleven too. Oh. Holy moly. Okay. Yeah. So we're going to also... I out of town, so I had plenty of time. Uh-huh. Blame it on the wife. <laughs> <laughs> so let's... Let's go ahead and talk episode 10 and episode 11. Get ourselves caught up since we will not since we will not be recording next week because of the holiday and we're going to take the week off. So Oh, that's right. <laughs> so How did that happen so fast? Uh, I don't know. So let's let's start with episode 10. What did you guys think over about the show overall? The episode overall. I liked it. Though. It was cool how um it, it seemed like a slow burn to, to, the whole show has been a slow burn on a lot of things but the two episodes um eight and nine we're kind of a slow burn learning about the prison, learning what's going on. Then number 10 is everything all at once. Yeah. yeah. It's, actually, you can almost say this show is almost like a series of slingshots. You get two or three episodes of pulling back <laughs> and then one episode of letting go. <laughs> and then it goes back to, you got to reset, pull back for three, two or three episodes and then let go of it again. Yeah. I love that analogy. That's actually pretty spot on for yeah. kind of how I felt about it. And I, I've kind of struggled through this I'm show. Enjoying with that. The, I'm enjoying the, sh- the way the show is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I've struggled with some of the pace 
pacing in the show, but the prison arc is my favorite arc of the show. Uh, I've loved every minute of all three of those episodes. And uh, and episode 10 is, Ooh. episode 10 is not just a good star, uh, star Wars episode. It's a, it's a top-notch sci-fi. It's top-notch sci-fi TV. Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, I, I feel like we really got to see, I mean, they, they've had, they have just some really incredible actors on this show, you know, who, who have been doing this for a really long time and are just incredibly good at what they do. And man, we finally got to see several performances, just like breakout performances for this show. You know, we got to see Andy Serkis. We got to see Stellan Skarsgård. We got to see uh, Gillian O'Reilly all just sort of, they've kind of been building, you know, as the show's going on and and just got to see them all monologue in a really compelling right. way. Yeah, for me, I think the the only character I'm not, I could do without at the moment. I mean, I, I, I like that we're building the backstory of Star Wars and the Rebellion and stuff, but the Mon Mothma stuff for me has been kind of hit or miss. I mean, that we could have done something else just had to make a novel later for it. Yeah. So, well, so far, like, it, I mean, it's cool that it gives you a different from the, what Andor's doing. Yeah. Right. And it does tie into all that stuff and it's building um, the world and things, but really it's it's not pushing the show. Well, when we, when we talk I about... I disagree. I feel like it is in a different way. I mean, when we get into episode 11, I think definitely if we didn't, if we saw her near the beginning and what she was setting up and then we cut a lot of the stuff in the middle and then bringing her back now, you know, a few weeks ago when she's talking to the banker or I guess that was last week or with the episode 10 where, you know, she's talking to the banker and bankers. It was been over a couple of weeks because um, episode 10 is when they brought in the um, the smuggler or the like crime boss guy. Yeah, who wants all he wants is her daughter for her son or for his son. Yeah. Um, that, that's in that's in this episode. Make your business legitimate. Yeah. Marry into a legitimate family. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a time honored. I mean, you look at the, the Medici's in Renaissance Italy, you know, they were like they were bankers and they were like they weren't all that well respected, you know, by the world at large. So they're like, all right, new plan. We marry into every royal family in Europe. And they did. Yep. And, you know, it's it's effective. Wait, wait, wait. You know? It's only one royal family in all of Europe. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> marry into that one family seven different ways yeah. and let's get a few popes in there just for good measure <laughs> yeah but it, it's and, you know if they will you know brought her back for episode 10 and then of course we see what happened you know we'll discuss what happens with her in episode 11 i think it would possibly made the mon mothma character stronger for the series not saying what she has the, the roles that she has had in other episodes hasn't been important i i think it was just filler and fluff because they were they were trying to stretch out the the andor storyline yeah i mean i feel like as much as anything it was just a reminder of like hey she's still in a bad spot here's another example of she's in a bad place just so, so that honestly i feel like it was mostly just set up for this kind of com- this kind of confrontation she has with the mobster right in episode 10 um you know and everything that kind of came before it was mostly just context for that conversation yeah i think what i appreciate the most about the stuff with mon mothma though is just showing it was it's what i think they've done a really good job with in this show is showing how how this war is affecting people from all kinds of different walks of life including powerful right. 
right. people, senator, you know, galactic senators. I mean, they're still, you know, being affected here. And um, so we, we've seen everything it, from senators it, down to lowly, you know, peasants, basically. Uh, right. And I think it's also shown uh, a lot, shown some examples of ways that the, the Empire is closing their grip on everything. So, you know, she she can't she can't get into her trust fund and, anymore without being being um, analyzed and right. Well, and it, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. The, the irony that um, the, the big heist, what, where was the word Aldani? The heist on Aldani is what gets her in a position where now she's desperate. It's like yeah. so you're kind of seeing it's, it's not all right, just kind yeah. of seamless. You know, the decisions that, that all these different groups are making are affecting everyone else and not not positively. A lot of times, there's a lot of mm-hmm. the rebellion is creating a lot of problems for its own people just trying to get off the ground. Right. right. Actually, that's about where I was heading with what I was going to say anyway. <laughs> How mm-hmm. it's like it's interesting that um, what um, Luthen's doing, Luthen's doing, is what's basically ended up ha- uh, making her have to leave the Senate. Yeah. Because we see in Rebels, we see that she left the Senate, and um, it's because of what the Senate's doing and all that stuff. But you can see here that there's also underlying other reasons that she had to disappear. Right. And, and I right. think I think with this, they're building up to that episode of Rebels. Whether whether that happens, yeah, that, yeah. whether that happens in the next episode, or whether that happens in the during that downtime between season one, season two, or if it happens within or alluded to in the first three episodes of season two. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's going to be this one because we're too close to the beginning of Re- where Rebels would be. But next season, remember, it's twelve episodes and it's um four arcs of three episodes each with a year in between each um, yeah. arc. Wow. Yeah. I'm, yeah. The next year is covers four years worth of time yeah. because they said they're going to the end of the last um, Gilroy was saying his ideal thing is that the last uh, uh, scene of this is the first scene you see of Andor uh, in Rogue One mm-hmm. right. on his way to to meet his informant who's injured that he kills. Yep. So uh, some trivia about season 10. Uh, Anto Grieger's missing pilot is said to be flying a GPE 7000 transport. Uh, GPE stands for Galactic Power Engineering, a manufacturer first established to have made Mahonix pod racer in material surrounding um, Star Wars The Phantom Menace. That's cool. I didn't, I didn't even heard about that company. I've heard of a lot from reading the old EU and all that stuff. You heard about a lot of the different manufacturing companies. This is one that I wasn't I wasn't familiar with. Right. Uh, next, among the items that Luthen is inspecting in his gallery is a Naboo headdress similar to one worn by Padme Amidala in Attack of the Clones. Yes, indeed. Literally, as soon as she shut up, I was like, "Look, look at the thing." <laughs> I I would not I would not be surprised if that was the actual prop costume piece. Yeah. Well, what they need to do, someone needs to go through on YouTube once the series is done next week when we see episodes. What? Yes, this is one more week left next week is the finale but um and then go through all of the luthan scenes and make a one super cut of it so you can go through and see because every shot has an easter egg of something yep Mm -hmm. Yep. like this week in episode 11 we're not on episode 11 yet but um the one like it's like a mayan calendar looking thing it has to be an indiana jones prop yeah (laughs) because it's it's an earth mayan calendar style stone (laughs) yeah uh next up the prison guards on narkina 5 are using dh 17 blasters, which is the same model used mm-hmm. by the prison guards aboard the Death Star in A New Hope. 
And if I remember correctly, they are also the same blaster being used by the rebel forces in the opening battle sequence of A New Hope. That's correct. The only difference is, is where the magazine is located on the gun. Yeah. They're, they're all, it's a slightly altered version of the same gun. See, I noticed the costumes. He notices the guns. <laughs> well, that's very also like, you see the picture they have here, but it's a lot of the shots of interior of the prison when they're not, when they're in just the white hallways and stuff, have very like THX feel to them. Yeah. Well, to me, seeing seeing this shot with uh, Andy Circus and and uh, Diego Luna, um, this almost feels like they're in PJs aboard the Star Cruiser. Yeah, that was almost thinking that, uh, a really deep cut that you got to have your co-host watch. I was almost thinking like a Logan's Run type deal. Yes. Ooh, yeah. There's a deep cut to make your um, co-host have to watch. One yeah. have to find it and then try to watch it. It is available to rent. I forgot where. Uh, but the there's the show, the movie, but the show's available on Probably Tubi, either Tubi or Pluto. I don't it's, remember it's which. Tubi has everything. Yeah, because I, I was actually thinking about that the other day, uh, a couple weeks ago, about watching it. I wanted to watch the movie first. Yeah, I hadn't watched that in years. It's been decades. I know. Yeah. So, so if you go back to watch it, you'll know why you haven't time. watched it in decades. <laughs> Yeah. Um, the prison command center has a tulip style imperial workstation uh, seen very similarly seen in the Death Star and Star Wars, a.k.a. A New Hope. Uh, but we're all old enough here. It was Star Wars. Hey, not uh, me. That was before me. No, it was still it was a new hope when I saw it. Yeah, it was Star Wars when I saw guys. it. We're not all really, really old guys. Hey. I'm old. I'm not really, really old. Listen here, whippersnapper. <laughs> yeah, Andrew's almost seven years older than me, so. Uh, I'm like, hey, hey, that's before my time. Don't, give me credit. Give me credit. I'm a millennial. I'm young. I'm uh, determined. I'm still young. The, the only I keep telling myself. The only difference is uh, this tulip is white instead of black to, to be more fitting to the Arkina environment. Yeah. Well, that's uh, like we said about the white hallways and everything else. You flip this and make all everything that's white in the in the prison and turn it black, and you're on the Death Star or any yep. of the Imperial ships. Yep. Make it gray. And, uh, gray and white, yeah, black Death Star. Gray, you know, gray and white. You you get either a rebel ship like the Tantive Four, or even you know, add a little gray into it. You get the the Star Cruiser. You know, going back to that. Um, I noticed that. That's interesting. The lower levels on Zhang, uh, where Zhang meets Luthen, was photographed at the Hanningfield Water Treatment Works in Kelmsford, UK. Hmm, interesting. So I'm sure a computer matted on top of that. But yeah. So that was episode, that was the trivia for episode 10. Interesting. What are, I don't know, they picked so sometimes it's like, oh yeah, they filmed this and, you know, like, like, you know, an abandoned pet food factory. Like naturally, you know, <laughs> right. it's always interesting to see the locations that they come up with. Mm-hmm. Well, the better one is you get before and after pictures. What did it look like before the set deck got there and started um, turning it into a set? Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So um, I thought, for me, one of the biggest um, character development was of, of Circus's character. You know, they're talking, you know, Cassian's talking, you know, asking how many guards. We got to spread the word, yada, yada, yada. Um, we got to confirm everything. And, and Kino's like, nope, do what you want. This ain't happening. Yeah. Well, his whole story arc is very, same thing, the same analogy I used earlier for the episodes. For the first couple episodes you meet him, he is straight laced. He's looking, he's getting out of here. Um, he's only got a certain amount of shifts left. Then he's done. Right. When he realizes right. the moment uh, they let go of that slingshot is the moment that he realizes they're never leaving. Right. Then he's all in to get out with everybody mm-hmm. else. And I think it, it took 
him sleeping on it and realizing what yeah what happened that you don't leave you just transition to or you you don't get your freedom you just get transitioned to another work camp or another prison right. but you you die under imperial hands closer than if you had your freedom under imperial watch which that actually that makes a lot of sense to me that he would have been even after finding out the truth he'd still be like hesitant because it's it's a big thing it's a big change in your entire life yeah i mean this has been his coping mechanism for a long time i've got so many days he knows exactly how many days he, he has left and this is how he moves on right. he, he gets from one day to the next is i've got one less day to be here and once you jerk that out from under somebody you know that's how you make people desperate you take away their hope Mm-hmm. I do. I do like the psychological part of the whole prison thing, where they, there's a calendar with a countdown on it, telling you how long you have left. Yeah. yeah. In your bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing on your wall that you can look at is that counter. And it's all a lie. Mm-hmm. You've been sold a bill of goods. You know, and it's it's interesting that they've. Um, so I recently worked on a, a show about prison breaks, and one of them was in Nazi camp. And, you know, capos uh, were kind of one of the features is these Jewish prisoners that were basically supervisors. They were given certain privileges in exchange for being the, the supervisors of the, the other uh, Jewish prisoners. And, you know, there was there was a real psychological aspect to that. It's like they're on our side. You know, it's like they're like we, we've turned one of you into one of us. You know, that kind of that way that it sort of right. messed with people's heads. Um, and, you know, I think the, the Imperials are kind of doing a lot of the same things. It's like the question of, you know, if, if you play, if you follow the rules of your model prisoner, then you, too, can have privileges and, and, and be a little bit Imperial in while you're still a prisoner. Um, so I thought that right. that dynamic was kind of interesting. Yeah, it's actually it's actually a way to have the prisoners self-check themselves and not not have to work. That's why they only have, you know, 12 guards. and, and Right. Well, and, and they weren't completely sure about that either, of how many guards were on the on the different floors. So once they found out they had the numbers more realistically, then you know, they were able to make it a reality. I was just surprised that shorting out the floor the way they did with the water actually worked in their favor instead of being more of a conduit to spread the shock. All right. Yeah, I think when the um, when the when the power the floors did power with the water on it, none of the prison or the there was a couple prisoners that were still touching the water and they did get zapped. But um, the anybody right. everybody else was out of the water. Right. But it, well, that was my initial thought was, oh no, that was an accident. That I thought that the water was like a byproduct of what of what they were trying to do. I thought they'd like hit the wrong pipe or something. Um, and so I thought I was like, oh no, the what this is this was not what they were trying to do. Um, until it it did you know went far enough to to short the electricity out. Right. That's not how I thought that was going to go. Well, also, it um, it helped to convince the other prisoners. When all of a sudden, they're getting rained on from above. Like, wait a minute. Why is it? Where's this water mm. coming from? Yeah. Right. Um, I, I think probably one of the most powerful scenes in this episode was uh, Loy's speech. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially when he says, yeah. if you war- if you fight half as hard as you've worked, we'll be home in no time. Right. So. Yeah. Keno Loy's speech also- was a... Sorry, Ken. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, Keno Loy's speech is really, really powerful. And, and Luthen's speech, when he, you know, is questioned on what he's sacrificed. 
pricing. And yeah. he goes through this whole speech of, like, yes. I've given up everything. I, I've sold my soul for this. And I know that. And, uh, you know, there, you know, it's it, two really, really powerful speeches. Right. Well, I, I found it interesting too. Um, when Luthen and, and Jong meet and Jong's like, I'm a father now. I, I, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> and Luthen's like too late. Right. Yeah. It's essentially, I kill you for, <laughs> or you continue the, on. The difference, the difference between, um, Luthen and what we know, what we've always considered to be a rebel, a fighter for star Wars. Right. And how Luthen is cold calculating yeah. very much where normally right. where we see the rebels as the freedom fighters. They're fighting for a good cause and doing everything right. And it's like, no, no, he is cold calculating. He, he would be an assassin or he's the one directing assassins. Yeah. Right. He is more of a terrorist than a, than a freedom fighter. Yeah. Right. So but, um, going back to Kino's um, so, speech for just a second, um, what really got me on just was Andy Serkis's performance in this. Absolutely. When he comes out and just the way he's like, yeah. not sure he wants to do this until five, because every time they did something new, he had to make another choice to do it. Like he had chose, mm. okay, we're going to break out. And then all of a sudden they're in the command center. He's like, and he was told, you have to talk to everybody. He's like, wait, what do I say here? Wait, I'm not a leader. I, even though he's been leading for years mm-hmm. and it's just the, the looks and just Andy Serkis is known for doing all these CG characters and doing mostly voice work and doing it with his body, but actually seeing him with his face and emotion doing it is amazing. Right. Yeah. Now I have two going back to, to Luthen. I have two questions um, for you guys. More, more thought questions. Number one is do you, what do you think he is actually, he personally himself fighting for? Is he fighting for the, the greater cause or is it something, has it become something else now or because he's sacrificed so much, it's probably changed him in a lot of ways. I'm going to say only based on something I want to bring up in um, in episode 11, is Luthen potentially a Jedi? I've not seen that yet. I've not seen what, I know that yeah, it's all over uh, the internet, people with the rumor and stuff and the, their theories. I've not read any of that I stuff, so I don't so, know no. people calling on that, but I, I don't know. I've not seen it yet. I, I've not seen it I, I never, yeah, I never got that feeling. I haven't seen it. The only reason why I get the feeling is because of the, he, when he meets Saw Gerrera in episode 11, he pulls out something that looks a little bit like a lightsaber hilt. Yeah, yeah, it, it does look like a lightsaber hilt. Um, I just assumed he was smuggling it. Well, I mean, he's a collector, yeah. so I don't know. Yeah. I mean, but the guy's like pulling kyber crystals out everywhere, so, you know, I don't know. There's something more to him that we don't know yet, but yeah. I don't, I really, like... Yeah, he never, he never struck me as a Jedi. Well, I mean, he's obviously a Jedi. If he's a Jedi, he's a, clearly a Jedi that has sold his soul for this cause, but also a right. Jedi hiding out on Coruscant seems problematic to me. Um, but, yeah. you know, I don't know. I, but I, I do think that he's... I think there's a lot more to him that we don't know, but I don't know that it's that he's a Jedi. But maybe mm. he has a connection to the, the Guardians of the Wills or, or something like that. Yeah, could be. Yeah, maybe the um, Church now, of the Force or whatever um, Lord Santeco was part of. Right. Yeah, maybe. My other question about him was when he was dealing with Saw Gerrera at, in, in, at that point, that was 11, right? Yeah. Uh, it was 10 and um, 11. And he was telling, you know, and they were, yeah, but I'm specifically talking about 11. When, yeah. You know, when he pulled the gun on him. And do you think he, do you think he was 
calculating all that, or if he, or he was just kind of going with with whatever was happening. Like, I, do you think he knew how to manipulate what he saw in that moment, or? I think it was planned. Uh, I I think he went in with you know like a chess player, think two three moves ahead. Hmm. I'm going to do this. Hmm. Ooh, right, right. What is he going to do? Right. Depending on what he does, I do this. Okay. Yeah, I think. He, well, I think with that, but he's got six or seven plans in his head, knowing that Saul. And even he said right on, Saul's a wild card. He's very right. old. Well, I don't know right. what yeah, so, yeah. about. At this point, he's probably about half crazy. Right. By the time you get to Rogue <laughs> One, he's all, he's all the way gone. Well, and we also Dylan has got a hold of him a couple times. Well, we we also get <laughs> to um, you know, when Saul when when Saul's trying to drill Luthen. Who's is there a mole here? Who's the mole? Who's the mole? Right. Right. And and Luthen's not. Th- you don't. We don't see Luthen s- stop and think. He just goes tubes. Well, yeah, he goes to Saul's like number yeah, one yeah. And, and, and tubes gets very defensive, draws him in. Why? So Luthen can grab his gun and, yeah. and drive a point home. Well, right. And I think that was right, the thing. Yeah. I think Luthen was honest in the moment when he says, look, I'm just trying to get you to listen to me here. And I think it's the first time we actually mm. see Luthen show some vulnerability here when he's, you know, says, look, you have to make the decision this time. Like, I, I can't make this call. Right. The other thing that I found interesting about that was when when Luthen pointed out that said it was Tubes who was the mole. It seemed like Saw didn't really have that much of a problem believing that. Well, like I said, Saw at this point is about half crazy. So right, in yeah. his mind, least. There's, uh, there's spies. Well, he, even when he's talking to Luthen, how Luthen has people everywhere. In Saw's mind, there are spies everywhere. Everybody's a spy. Right. Yeah. We remember how paranoid he is in Rogue One. Yeah. Yeah. Well, This is before he gets his Borgullet. I I think I don't think he he buys into tubes as a spy. I think tubes coming to his own defense so quick does, doesn't give Saw a chance to think about what the deal is. He, he's right, trying to yeah. process. Well, I asked you the spy is he comes back and says it's tubes. He, he's trying to process it, and, and tubes is jumping to. And by the time he's able to process it, the trap has been sprung, and now Saw has a blaster pointed at his head. And I think tubes jumps to conclusions that fast because he realizes where Saw's at mentally. Right. Because you gotta remember, Tubes yeah, has been with Saw right. for years already. Right. So he realizes that Saw's at, um, because he, before Luthen even went in there, he said how he was in a mood. He's in a mood, yeah. I, I was, right. I was, yeah. I think this is something I want to see in the comics. How does Tubes go from Empress Ness group to Saw? Yeah. Saw may have gotten more of that group than just Tubes, so. Right. But how, how did that potentially happen? Well, remember, Empress Ness was was basically the equivalent of a rebel sleeper cell. Right. But so it could have been that she, at some point, their group joined up with Saw and something happened to her. Could be. Yeah, maybe. But it could be. A, 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 there's any number of possibilities. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I think actually that could make her for a good a good uh, comic or, or book or something in the future, possibly. Yeah. Or a side story in Solo 2. Yes. <laughs> yeah, could be. Yeah. Um, how about as Luthen's leaving him fighting off the, uh, the Imperial ship? And then oh, taking on the two have. TIE fighters with the mm-hmm. <laughs> with the extended, for sake of another word, lightsaber blades coming out of the ship. They showed that in the they showed that in a trailer, and I've been waiting and waiting for that moment. Mm-hmm. It was yeah, very it was, cool. It was so cool. Well, I mean, what a cool ship! Like I've been complaining about that in Star Wars for a while. I mean, we used to be all about the ships, right? You know, the Millennium Falcon was one of the coolest ships anybody had ever seen in anything sci-fi, and then you you did cool ships and like uh, like some of the video games. Like Knights of the Old Republic, you had the yep. Ebon Hawk, and 
yep. and things like that. And mm-hmm. we haven't just gotten just a load of really cool ships um, in the last few years in Star Wars. And, you know, we, we've kind of retread some things. Like, I like what they did with Mando's uh, new Starfighter. But, yep. you know, we hadn't done a lot of really cool ships. And I, I think this one is... I, I've seen so many on Twitter today, so many. This is my new favorite Star Wars ship. Who? I mean, who? I, 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 I wouldn't say it's my favorite, but it's definitely... I I did think to myself, oh, I want that ship. Well, if, yeah. if James Bond, if James Bond had a an Aston Martin in space, that's it, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, for me, it was definitely I me. Mean, what you're saying, who have thought because of Rebels they could have made the B wing actually cool? Right. <laughs> right. I mean, here's the ship. Oh, we're seeing this. Yeah. Really? This is kind of. Oh, go ahead. But when Rebels does the whole backstory behind the ship, it's like, okay, this is cool. Well, all the movies have shown us all these fighter ships, TIE fighters and X-Wings and Y-Wings and A-Wings. Rebels gave us the first utility fighter with the U-Wing. Right. It's basically yeah. Huey or Blackhawk helicopter for Star Wars. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um... But I would like to see that more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does he have to ditch it? I mean, now I feel like it's smart. Now this is people are going to be looking for this. I hope not. Gonna, yeah, the it, size of this galaxy. Yeah. Like, remember the Millennium Falcon was running around with um, 15 different um, one at times all over the place, and it was still flying around. <laughs> right. That's yeah. true. It's a, it's a big world. <laughs> but, um, the other one in this was uh, main episode 11 was that Imperial um, frigate that was behind him. That was kind of mm-hmm. cool looking. Yeah. 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 We saw something similar. You no. Know, in rebels, we saw that we saw the that exact ship in in uh, um, solo. Mm. Did we? Okay. Mm-hmm. It was on the screen when Han was applying for the for the uh, to get into the Empire. It was one of the. Uh, in fact, uh, okay. In fact, Lonnie. He must have the Lego of it or something. He may have the diecast. Yeah, it's in a in an Imperial recruitment film from Solo. First appearance. Hmm. I have it in my collection. Oh wow! Look you there. Very that cool. is cool. That's from the Titanium line. No, from the Hot Wheels line. Okay. And that's pretty cool. They released it when when Solo came out. It was it was only shown for a split second on a screen. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there it is. Funny. And I looked at it and I was like, I don't know what all that is, but I like it. Well, I guess we but found now, out why he didn't want to be boarded when all his toys started showing up. Yeah. 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 yeah explain where all the why the weapons are on there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's my first thought is he's gonna be like, oh, okay, you know, just pull the, you know, the, the smuggler trick and be like, sure, come check it out. You know, nothing to see here. Um and so whenever he started like he was going to run it's like okay why is he going to run what is what has he got on this ship that he doesn't want them to see you yeah. know so I, proof of his multiple identities right yeah um so that was kind of that was another thing that i didn't said that did not go the way i expected i expected him to just let him board him and you know kind of just try and talk his way out of it right well i i just thought it was cool he was able to get out of the tractor beam mm-hmm. yeah. yeah no i thought it was i, I thought everything about the ship was that, cool though the countermeasures countermeasures not something we've really done in star in star wars and so that was a, a cool little yeah addition. yeah i don't think we've seen countermeasures anywhere I think also not that i can uh i, I thought man, i thought the razor crest he used countermeasures somewhere you know you may be right um, it may have been flares still countermeasures yeah yeah pretty, i, I, I think, think the other right. thing is he had um with his uh his on-ship computer or droid whatever you want to call it is is probably got a lot of information inside yeah 
yeah. there that uh, you wouldn't want the Empire to get their hands on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and the whole thing that he's got multiple transponder codes would not would not be a red flag at all. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that never goes badly. So, um, speaking of cool gadgets and toys, uh, last week's or this week's, uh, as we're recording this week's, Bring Home the Galaxy introduces some new things, such as the pre-order for the Forlom and Zuckus Retro Collection 2-Pack by Hasbro. Cool. This is going to be on my list because I have the vintage collection set from Star Wars Celebration, from Celebration 5. I plan on getting the 6-inch Black Series set that they had with the same, you know, where Forlom's labeled Zuckus and Zuckus is labeled Forlom. They're continuing that with this. Which kind of makes sense then why they did the other four in two packs as well. Re-release those. Um, you know, start off with Boba Fett and Bosk and then uh, Dengar and IG-88 um, in the retros. Re-releasing those in the retros. For me, I, I'm now considering going back and getting the other four to go along with this set and just leave them in the boxes. To go, okay, this is the this is the original Bounty Hunters in the retro. They look cool and they look original and stuff. The only thing I don't like about this whole thing that they're doing with the retro collection like this is the big dumb retro sticker that they put over the, uh, yeah. the package. Well, <laughs> it's, it's because of, <laughs> if not, it looks like the vintage collection because the vintage collection is using the exact same cards, mm. essentially. Different color Again, just slightly. I think the retro vintage sticker could be retro. smaller. This is this is why I stopped collecting figures a long time ago. It's just too much. Yeah. Personally, well, I, the vintage have the newer um, multi-point articulation and the yes. retro is the five point. Yes. Okay. So that's all. So the card could be exactly the same. doesn't matter. The figure's different. I think if they're going to do the retro, it needs to be a smaller sticker and it needs to be down in the corner or incorporated into the Kenner logo. But I have become a fan of the retro line and this is something that I'm finding easy for me to collect. Uh, I actually picked up from the store Always the Mandalor uh, the Mandalorian Monopoly game that came with the Remnant Stormtrooper in the retro. That's cool. I have not opened up the game yet to get to the trooper, but time's coming. Uh, up after that, from Citizen, the watch company, the Star Wars collection. It looks like there's an R2-D2, C-3PO, Darth Vader, and Darth Maul, um, all inspired by the iconic 1972 model Suno Chrono. So it's based on the Suno Chrono watch um, from Citizen, are, are the th- the, the fan favorite themes of Vader, Maul, C-3PO, and R2-D2. Uh, if you go to Citizen's website, there's a, a whole bunch of other ones on here also. But, um, the, out of those four, I think the um, Vader and R2 are my two favorite. Yeah. Because the 3PO all kind of the face on it and actually having it be their eyes and their face is kind of silly, especially for a $375 watch. Yeah. <laughs> now, I, I really like the Han Solo watch that they have uh, with the Falcon right in the middle of the watch face. Have you seen the Chewbacca? I have not. I have not gotten that far that is beautiful and it's got the um the glowing hands and stuff see now i'm getting to the ones i'm I'm, I'm getting to the ones now that are square that almost look like apple watches not bad i mean i like the watch face it'd be cool watch faces to try and get onto my apple watch but 
the other one's kind of cool too a little bit yeah the the falcon watch which kind of looks like the classic 72 is pretty cool as well um mandalorian fat. oh okay yeah i see the tree it's not bad i feel like there's always a line with stuff like that it's like jewelry that you see that's like disney princess themed it's like if it's too cartoony it's like nobody wants to pay a thousand dollars for that but if it's too obscure then it's like it doesn't right. look anything like you know like it's it's not even reminiscent of that character it's just because it's teal right and so now it's jasmine yeah. themed you know it's, it's in so i think that there is kind of the same issues kind of with the watches it's like where's the line where it's right it's classy but it's also recognizable well i think with like their uh their digital watch um the the face on it looks like something that's in universe mm-hmm. yeah um and that's what I like about it. And something mm-hmm. that's like, ooh, if I had the time to sit down and figure this out, this could make and figure out how to do it on on the Apple Watch. Mm-hmm. This could make a really cool Apple Watch face. Um, and I have a pretty good collection of Star Wars related watch faces for that look in universe. Mm-hmm. So. No, these, these aren't bad. Uh, up next, First Order Stormtrooper Helmet by Denuo Nuvo, which they're the group that took over Anvos. Ooh, interesting. I think. Probably, let's see, once again, the, look at the price on this thing. It's a $675 um, helmet. Yeah. Well, so the, this better be true. like the closest you can get the screen used you've ever seen. I want to say this is the group that actually designed, no, Anovos designed the first, helped design the uh, First Order armor for uh, uh, for the sequels. Hmm. I'm on their site and they got the Shore Trooper helmet which looks amazing. Weather just right. The the ATACT driver helmet. Uh, only thing missing is the tank driver helmet. Hmm. Which there is a slight difference between the ATACT driver and the, and the tank driver helmet. They have uh, the X-Wing helmet that Ray <clears throat> salvages. Uh-huh. I always liked that. For some reason, I always thought it was a red stripe, not a blue stripe, hmm. but they're showing blue. Maybe I was wanting red because that's what I was used to seeing. Hmm. Um, okay. Yeah, they, they've got quite a few X-Wing pilot helmets on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got Merrick's. They got Gold Leader. They got Red Leader. Uh, Luke's. Um, they've got uniforms. These aren't, it's not too bad. Pricing's, mm-hmm. like everyone's been saying, pricing's a little high, but... Yeah, they've got a Sabine Wren Mandalorian helmet for only six hundred and twenty-seven dollars. Yeah, I saw that in pre. It's a pre-order, right? Or for pre-order, you could get the Batman nineteen eighty-nine cow. Yeah, I saw that too. That's for nine hundred and fifty dollars. Cool. My grandpa would say some people got more money than they got since. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Of course, I'd be one of those people that can afford it. Yeah, but, uh, all of us, if we had the money sitting in the bank, I would be doing exactly. it. We'd be spending it on this. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Although, they do have on their site here a life size Grogu statue for only $250. Ooh. Ooh, there we go. Okay. Um, if you're looking for something new to carry your lunch to work, or for those festival gatherings or conventions, there's the Princess Leia Cooler by Tote, by Igloo, by Tote, by Igloo. There is also the Darth Vader cooler backpack. That was actually a bad idea. Cool. You might actually save money paying buying food at conventions, especially if you got kids. Never fed five kids at a convention. I do not recommend it. I, I tried feeding myself at a convention. I don't recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally on their list is Star Wars Every Day by Inside Editions. This is the book written by Ashley Eckstein. 
Oh, yeah. And this is where the different Star Wars activity for uh, every day in the months, uh, 12 months in the year. Wow. So I'm sure, it's a, I'm sure it's a great book there. I haven't had a chance to check it out. That's the sort of thing, though, if you buy it for your kids and you're like committed to do the things every day. Yeah. So I don't think I'll be doing that. I don't know if I could commit to doing it every day, but if there's something yeah. I'm, I'm looking for mm-hmm. to do, you know, That's true. activities, recipes, crafts. Mm-hmm. Cool. Let me look. You got 365 options. Yep. Uh, speaking of books, um, it there, the previews for what's coming out from Marvel for February, the solicits for Marvel in February are out. And apparently Santa Star Rose is getting her own title as a five issue mini. So Han Solo's first wife is getting her own mini. Uh, then we have uh, Star Wars The High Republic, The Blade, uh, wrapping up that miniseries. Uh, it's issue four or four. Uh, then High Republic number five of the second run of The High Republic. And then Yoda number four, which I think is a new, new title that will be coming out. Uh, the Mandalorian number eight. And The Hidden Empire, which just came out in stores the week before Thanksgiving. Uh, Hidden Empire, number three of five, uh, will come out in February. And then Star Wars number 31 and bounty hunters number 31 and dr afra number 29 and darth vader number 31 are all also coming yeah because it was all started right there about the same time yes uh vader is the third run of vader uh star wars is the second run which is taking place between empire and jedi Mm -hmm. uh of course afra is the second run also taking place during that same time period um the new Vader line, new Vader series is also taking place during that same time period. Uh, the the Vader that Charles Soule had done was took place immediately after the events of um, Revenge of the Sith. And then uh, Bounty Hunters, which spun off of uh, so off a uh, Han Solo Imperial Cadet to bring Valance back into the universe uh, officially. Uh, and it's basically it's he's the main character in the title. Um, but it, it bring it is the series. It's a series about the bounty hunters so that's what's coming out like i said hidden empire uh still involves um kira and and their involvement during the time of the period between empire and and jedi um so we know she's still around at this point um but with hidden empire i just it just came out as we're recording today and i picked it up today and i haven't had just really haven't had a chance to sit down and read it yet Mm -hmm. but looking forward to it and yoda i know nothing about except i need to get it on my list so i thought uh, at some point about trying to um catch up on the star wars comics but there's too much there's way too much i jumped on it Mm, yeah it can get a little out of hand (laughs) i jumped on it right at you know 2015 when it came back when it when it all came back to marvel i'm like okay yeah i did too so i it is getting out of hand but i i've been able to maintain staying on top of it there's a few issues i'm missing but it's not gonna be hard for me to to find them and get them yeah i got most of the high republic ones digital but that's about it yeah Mm-hmm. Uh, much of the other of other comics that I read, I, just don't, I don't have time to read that too. There are a lot of them. Yeah. Yes. Uh, before we go, I want to give 
And we'll flip the tables and give uh, Marisha and Andrew a chance to ask us some questions. Uh, I think the first thing I'd like to ask each of you is outside of Star Wars, what is your favorite sci-fi or fantasy uh, film or franchise? Mm. If it's sci-fi and fantasy, for me, it would be Trek. Because I'm from the generation that when Star Wars was awesome and it was huge, and when Star Wars went away, Star Trek started. And when Star Trek started to fade off again is when Star Trek or Star Wars hit again. I gotta say Hitchhiker's Guide. Ooh. Ooh, it's a good one. I, I had always been, I don't know how many times I have bought the, the book or the books because move, can't find them. Okay, time. I, right. I'm interested in reading it again. Time to go get a new copy. Yeah. And then, is it, oh, look, it's a cool new edition. <laughs> I've not done that. But to get the radio dramas as well, mm-hmm. and then to get um, the radio dramas for all five books was really, oh, really, awesome. really, really good score to get. The audio book, yeah. all the different, all the different media. Yeah. Um, that kind oh, of happens to be sitting beside me on the shelf. Oh, I'll go with Star Trek. Star Trek. Yeah, I'll go with Star Trek because that's that's what uh me and my dad kind of bonded over. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll I go with Star Trek. It's, it's because of my dad I got into science fiction and I really got yeah, into Star Wars. Me too. Yeah. Um, I mean, because other things, Star Trek, Space nineteen ninety nine, Logan's Run, like we talked about. Um, I mean, the original Battlestar Galactica. Yes, I watched Battlestar Gal- or Galactica nineteen eighty, even though I thought it was cheesy as all get out <laughs> I, have, I watched through that within the last year just so that I could say I've seen it um, when mm-hmm. when Derek and I had uh, Michael from uh, Jada Toys I mentioned the show it was the Sid and Marty Croft show um, wait is it Sid and Marty Croft or did I say it was Filmation it's one of the two uh, it was a show called Arc 2 oh okay I don't know <laughs> Uh, I, I don't remember. And we talked about how cool the, the vehicle was that filmation. they drove in. I think it is filmation. Um, so, I mean, anything sci-fi, I, I gravitate towards Black Hole. Love the Black Hole. Right. Uh, I would love to see Disney do a, a reboot remake in, in the vibe of Jurassic Park, Jurassic World. Mm-hmm. I believe there is a remake in the works, but I don't know if it's on that vein. It's it's rumored. It's been rumored for years. For Disney sci-fi from that general era, I'd, I'd lean more towards Tron myself. Tron, yep. As far as Disney, yeah. fun, but it was, it, it was almost too slow in general. Yeah. It's a very slow go on that one. Yeah. Right. Well, Disney just bought a, a with, along with the Fox acquisition, bought a massive number of sci-fi franchises. Yeah, that uh, it will be really, and some of them that weren't really yes. got a fair chance when they when they came out that would be worth rebooting, and and I'll be curious to see right. if they dig into that sandbox and pull some stuff out. I mean, Alien franchise, the Alien franchise. I bet they will love it. Well, there was well, there was actually an article I saw an article earlier today that some actress is already rumored to star in the Alien reboot. Interesting. I saw that just like a couple hours ago. Drop the reboots and just do another story in the alien right. universe. Yeah. Right. Is Rennie Weaver still around? Mm, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's still around. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think the last time I saw her on screen was in the end credit scene in uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yeah. Mm, yeah. That was, I was yeah, yeah. up for that. Uh, I mean, what they're doing with Predator, you know, right. with Prey, which I still yeah. need to see that, but in you know, the Predator mm-hmm. series, they. That was actually, Prey was actually really good. I thought I enjoyed it. My wife enjoyed yeah, it. I still got to see that. I, I've enjoyed the majority of the, the Predator films. The only one I really didn't get, uh, I'm like, man, eh, was uh, not, I, I actually enjoyed it, AVP. It's the one after that. Ugh. Uh, Aliens versus Predator 2. Is that what it was? Where the Predator is also the, the Xenomorph mix. Yeah. That that one, like, uh, 
okay, whatever. Um, but AVP, I, I didn't think it was too bad. I mean, it was hokey, but... I didn't think it was too bad. You're was really bad. selling it. <laughs> it. It's one that if, typically, if if it's on in the middle of the afternoon and I know there's nothing else on, I'll leave it on. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's almost a guilty pleasure. That's fair. If I never see it again, I'd be very happy. <laughs> <laughs> Don't run away from your feelings. Uh, any I other? Like I hate them. <laughs> any other questions? Um. Okay. So y'all do this fairly regularly, right? You let guests come on and kind of ask you questions. It's kind of a thing y'all do, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So what question do y'all never get asked that you wish somebody would just actually come out and ask? And what's the answer? Hmm. I've actually never thought about that. <laughs> I've never thought about Me it either. either. <laughs> Which is why we do the flip the tables is because we're always, you know, it's that curiosity of what would we get asked? Yeah. Uh, the, the other thing I would want to know is like, how were you introduced to the Star Wars franchise? Okay. Um, for me, it was 77. Uh, and, and, this, and this is a story our listeners have, have heard probably quite a few times, but I, I think the, the story stays the same, but it, I think how, as, as we tell it, more things are remembered, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, or just, more things are just added to the list. Or more <laughs> things added to the list, yeah. Whether or not they were there originally. Um, for me, it was uh, my dad took us to a drive-in movie theater where Star Wars was a double feature. It was Star Wars followed by Star Wars. Okay. Nice. So, <laughs> saw it twi- you know, here I am, six-year-old kid, because I hadn't turned seven yet. Um, I was a few months away from turning seven, but w- apparently watched both both showings, was up for both showings, because I just fell in love with it. Nice. Yeah, my aunt was about 13 whenever the first Star Wars movie came out. She said they, her, her and her friends went and watched it, went out to the payphone and called their parents and said, don't come get us for watching it again. <laughs> yeah, it, it was... <laughs> As um, I think I might have said this either in the the Red Five chat or on a uh, Red Five um, show that Andrew and I have been on, um, Star Wars. I mean, to us, the original trilogy is you know don't say anything bad about my family mm-hmm. type right. thing. But in all reality, it was mediocre. It's gold plated media mediocrity. But we love it because it's we were kids when we saw it, and that's what captured our imagination. And our our creativity and it was the modern day mythology brought to life just like I, i'll argue that a little bit it was it may have been mediocre cinema for the for the hoity-toity cinema crowd but in one movie in one film with the phantom or with um yeah phantom menace with the new hope george lucas changed the face yeah. of movies for the yeah. rest of history it, exactly you look you can mm-hmm. you can actually put a line there in 1977 and you got movies before star wars movies after star Wars. There's a major difference. Well, as we said before, it's because of Star Wars that Star Trek came to the big screen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Roddenberry realized, okay, I can now do this on the big screen. Um, and again, I'm okay hearing now it's a mediocre film. I mean, especially when you hear Mark Hamill talk about who really says these lines and, and the different stories. But when when we look at you know the people who grew up with this prequel trilogy, and they're going, oh, the prequels are so much better than the original trilogy. I grew up on the original trilogy. It's like, okay, this is your first experience seeing Star Wars in the theater. So, of course, this trilogy is your trilogy. Mine's right. the original trilogy. Respect that. But just know you got a mediocre trilogy, just like I have one. <laughs> yeah. I, and, and, um, and the same thing now with the, with the, the sequel. 
it's a sequel trilogy. It's almost like the old cassette tapes. You have the master, then you make a copy, and it degrades a little bit. Then you make the next copy, it degrades a little bit. We kind of got that with the with the with the different trilogies. It's all still great, but there's a little degradation there. Yeah, I, I'll give you that. I think I think that's probably a fair. <laughs> Um, well, you know, whenever the special editions came out in theaters, I was probably eight or nine. My dad took us, my sister and I to the dollar theater, dropped us off to see it. And um, I was really disappointed with the first, because I thought we were getting new Star Wars. So we said, <laughs> I'm like, all right, we're going to find out what happens to Luke Skywalker. It's the first movie. I was like, what? <laughs> I've already seen this. But uh, it was, once once I got over the fact that it was the same story, um, it was pretty, it was pretty amazing to get to see this in the theater yeah. as a kid. Yeah. So I don't have strong feelings about how terrible the special editions are, unlike some people. <laughs> I I'm hit and miss with the special editions on what what should stay, what should go. Yeah, it's on the same. I, I feel like the first one, like episode four, they might have gone overboard in some places, but I feel like they did some really wonderful things in Empire. Um, yes, yeah. it, it, up. all those the, the the battle on Hoth was so much cleaner and Empire. I was okay with. Yeah. Empire seemed the the least. What was the most um, subtle about the changes? Right. Yeah. I mean, best been opening up a, a bit more. Okay, a bit. More. A lot more. Last time you saw the original version of Bespin? Uh, right before I took the entire city in their first in the original version. Yeah, it, they opened it up a lot, but it but it was okay. It it felt right. Yeah. It felt natural. Uh, a new hope. I think a new hope. The only really really bad is the um, and I love the Jabba scene being in it, but just that whole stupid Han yeah, yeah, it's just... over is just terrible. And it's not been able to fix it yet. Yeah, I mean, how many times does they re-release that and rework the those movies and they still can't fix that. <laughs> that at this point, just make a CG Han Solo with a CG Jabba and do it that yeah. way. <laughs> that Han Han actually shooting first. Well, adding adding the the laser blast from Greedo and, and, and implying that Greedo shot first, um, and then the whole heading to the Death Star for the final battle. That is my biggest pet peeve uh, of the the add ons for A New Hope because looking at that size of of, of the fleet. Going Going to the Death Star. Okay, now it's kind of believable that they were able to do it. Whereas you look at the original, and it's like, okay, here's the underdog. Here's this is the underdog story. So, uh, Ken, Derek, your first ties into Star Wars. Well, for me, I I was born at the end of '76, so Star Wars has always been there. The first time I saw it in the theaters was I saw um, Jedi right after school. Hmm. My mom, my dad got out of work, and we met him at the theater, and we went to go see Return of the Jedi. So that's the first Star Wars I remember in theaters, but it's always been there. Like I, we used to watch Muppet Babies just to see if um, they would have a Star Wars clip in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. They were notorious for that. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I'm an '80s kid, so I grew up on um, Saturday morning and weekday afternoon and weekday morning cartoons. Yep. That was my whole life. <laughs> yeah, I was born in '80s, so I mean, I can, you know, I, you know, we were definitely still in the the uh, Saturday morning cartoon mm-hmm. era there. Yeah. And the coolest thing in the world was when we finally got cable, and all of a sudden I found this wonderful thing called the USA Cartoon Express. Yes. Oh, Wait, yeah. cartoon six o'clock in the evening? This is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, Derek. Well, um, first off, I gotta say, Mike, we got us a bunch of kids here with us. For I know. Out loud. I know. <laughs> Young whippersnappers. <laughs> um, Get off my lawn. <laughs> So, like I said, my dad, my dad got you know started me on Star Trek and stuff, and, and my dad was heavily into sci-fi. So I, 
I grew up heavily into sci-fi, and when he took me to see Star Wars, it was just the first the first moment I saw you know the opening scene. I was hooked just yeah. right away. I yes, yeah, seeing the Tantive Four and then the the Death Star or the Death Star, the uh, Star Destroyer shooting it, mm-hmm. falling. Yeah, that that got me you know drawing in. But I think what hooked is. After the battle, and all of a sudden, Vader walks through. It's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. I mean, always, you know, my dad was my dad would have been seventeen when it released, and that's how I, that was my gateway. Was my dad? He's he's obsessed. He's a five zero first guy. He's um, you know, he 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 goes around all over the place dressed as Darth Vader, and uh, but it is listening to him talk <laughs> about just that moment of of you know that opening scene, and then Vader coming on screen, and just how just huge of a moment that was that it yeah. just changed his whole perspective of what a movie could be. Oh, what a villain could be, too. I think even people who, like, you know, my mom was never particularly a movie person. She still really isn't. But she says, you don't understand, Marisha. She said, I had never seen anything like that on the screen. She said, we, you walked into that movie and it was, like, you walk into a movie now and you see all kinds of, you know, crazy things. But we had never seen anything like that. Mm-mm. She said just how big it was and how impressive it was. And the fact you can watch it now, whether it's the special edition or the original uncut, and it holds up the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. So, yep. where can people find you guys online? Okay, uh, you can find me. Uh, I run the the Twitter account for our show at Sci underscore Fictionary. Okay. Our podcast, the Science Fictionary and Coruscant Radio Underground. You can find both shows anywhere you listen to podcasts. Excellent. Uh, and of course, re- find us on Instagram at Wookie Radio. Well, Instagram and Twitter at Wookie Radio or email us at Wookie Radio at gmail.com or yeah, gmail.com. On that note, uh, there's only one thing left to be said. Give the evacuation code signal. All right, cut the chatter. Jets, I can hold it. Pull up! No, I'm all right. I have placed information vital to the survival of the rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. I've lost R2! <laughs>